Thanks for tuning in to your 9am. Here's the deal. Many of the uncomfortable situations that people go through at work are dealt with behind closed doors or never addressed at all. We think this is a problem primarily because we can't fix what we don't know. Adam and I don't have all the answers, but on this podcast, we share and discuss anonymous stories from every angle to help you deal with them when they come up where you work. Today, we're joined by our friend and paralegal, Rachel Ayers. So here's the story. I worked on several cases for workplace rights where the clients identified as they, them. On multiple occasions, my boss couldn't remember to use the correct pronoun for the client. When I would remind him, he would kind of laugh it off and make some comment about being old and not understanding it. I decided to provide some resources to him about pronouns and why it's important to acknowledge preferred pronouns. He was actually very open to receiving the feedback and would often validate the corrections, but it was frustrating that he continued to make the same mistakes. He also would try to correct my writing when I used they-them pronouns when referring to the client and would say it wasn't grammatically correct. He asked me to include an explanation in a complaint as to why we were using they-them. I felt that was bad practice as we did not explain using he or she, and therefore explaining our use of they-them perpetuated the idea that it is abnormal to identify as such. I just couldn't believe that we were suing people for doing this but couldn't take it seriously on our side. Let's get right to it. I mean, what's kind of going on for you guys? I think that, you know, if if you have a hard time saying they, them, or understanding that, like, people might have a different set of preferred pronouns from what they like, may look to your eyes as presenting as, um, that's one thing. But when you're, when you're laughing it off and treating it like it's a completely trivial matter, that's really frustrating. So I get where this person's coming from where it was like, sure. Not yeah. only did they have to correct them all the time, but then they also were dealing with this thing where like they didn't get how serious it was. And yet they were also suing people mm. for not taking it seriously. So what a weird situation to be in. Yeah. It's, it's interesting too, to talk about it because um, it, it's something that I struggle with myself. For me, when I was writing in, you know, high school and college, uh, you know, my essays at the time, using she was like this um, progressive thing to do. Right, right. <laughs> and now it's they, them. And so when I, you know, whenever I write something, you know, by default, I go to she. And then when I think about it later, I think, oh, am I being inclusive here? Am I really trying to sort of, um, you know, respect everyone's individual identities when I write something, especially if I don't really know who these people are? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I want to use they, them, but it doesn't sound natural to me. And it, and it, it and from like a writing perspective, it, it's almost, it's awkward for me to use because mm-hmm. um, I'm, and, and this is, this is obviously very petty, but I'm not only changing the, the pronouns, but also the verbs because the pronouns are different. And so all of my writing sort of changes and maybe that's, Maybe, I, you know, maybe that's neither here nor there, but it, 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 it's something that I just struggle with. And, and yeah, you know, I don't want to be hypocritical yeah, hard. and yeah. say that this is the, yeah, this is the worst person I, ever. I think that um, the, I don't remember what standard it was, but one of the like writing standards, I'll have to look this up later, posted in the comments, uh, was uh, they, they actually accepted they, them as a grammatically correct uh, term. So it's no longer grammatically incorrect to say, I think it was Merriam-Webster. 
Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I think is huge. Cause I think yeah. to your point, like both a normalization and also just like not being incorrect from like a grammatical standpoint, if you're writing an essay or if you're, you know, writing a newspaper article or whatever it is, I think that's huge. And so that shift for me signaled, so that signals something bigger. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I agree with you. Don't get me wrong. I, no, I know. I, yeah. but, and I think it's like brave of you to acknowledge that you have a hard time with this. I do. I, I, if we're being honest, I do, but I don't, I don't do it. in. It's not, it's like not I'm, a person. No. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Yeah. It's just, it's not necessarily top of mind for me right. when I write. And then when I review my work, I'm right. like, oh, maybe I'm not doing this the way that I should be. Let me think more about it. So there's, you know, I think that there's two sides. Like one, Adam, your side where you just have a hard time. Well, I hope I'm, so, I no, hope, I, I I know I'm I, on the, I, the good side here. <laughs> one side has a, hard time, has a hard time grammatically just like yeah. wrapping their heads around yeah. This new third That's a grammatical thing. category. Yes. And then there's another side that has a hard time with the concept of gender fluidity itself. And so I think that's the other thing here where like I think, you know, with this boss, it sounds like they're having a hard time with that mindset shift into a third category right. versus denying the fact that this person has a right to even have that third category. It's but inter- what I'll say it's interesting though. Yeah. I don't, yeah. Just because so you think that that boss falls in the camp of just making them the honest mistake of like not being able to do it. I uh, read it as being the boss just sort of refusing to think that it was right. A Mm. a necessary thing. And not, not necessarily like, I mean, I read it as the boss saying, this is sort of silly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear your, I hear you want to use they, them, but I'm just going to call you whatever I want. Um, yeah, I mean, I might be wrong, I, but just them them laughing about there's it. There's no way for us to know. Well, yeah. yeah, it's difficult because a lot of our language and just casual speak is very gendered, um, right? You know, you say like "Hey guys" or uh, you know "Ladies and gentlemen." Um, we, you know, I'm trying to think of other examples, but it's just like we, we use it or we assume that like certain professions are are a gender mm-hmm. and like I know Adam you were saying like it used to be such a thing where you if you refer to someone as she um in like a paper that it's you know it's a big thing and it's like it's trying yeah. to overcome these ideas that like you know all um all bosses are men and uh right. you know like because we, we're saying even we done it we did it here like the 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 boss you know he was doing it and um right you know we assume but uh I think it's just it's easy to fall into traps of gendering just in casual speak all the time and so with they and them or other you know non-binary and neutral pronouns um not being a part of that it's easy to sort of gender throughout your regular language without even knowing you're doing it um and so like yeah, I, that is such a good point and i know that there's people who are really trying to focus and like de-gender all language which I think, um, you know, the older generation is going to have a really hard time adapting to. And even our generation, it's just, it's, it's such a big part of what you grew up in saying. And then it's, it's hard to overcome those sort of everyday sort of just casual throw-offs. Yeah, it's, a, it's the way we've been conditioned. Yeah, completely. And so I agree. I think someday we will be the older generation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would you do if your coworker or boss you know, you had that conversation with them and you told them, um, you know, this is why it's important. And, you know, I, you might not have been doing it un- intentionally, 
but just so you know, and then they keep making the mistake. Do you think you'd keep saying, correcting them or how would you react? Yeah, I would. I would. And I, I have done this in the past when it comes to um, things that I've seen to be problematic sexist for instance yeah and like and I, I, I don't I actually don't think that my, my bosses at the time uh were were doing anything intentionally I know they weren't like I there was actually an instance where one of my bosses had like the best of intentions and I I sort of saw things going sideways and I was like hey just so you know here's where I think this mm-hmm. might go and and it rather than it being like a confrontational thing it was just like a it was more of like sharing information and like helping sort of like helping open their eyes a little bit to like what I was seeing and it's up to them to then take that information. Like you said, like, do I continue correcting them? Yeah. I think at a certain point you get exhausted and stop, but so far I haven't stopped. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, to Rachel's point, constantly having to correct this, that your boss in this scenario is not really a great solution. Like Mm -hmm. it, I think it's great to try a few times, you know, I think it's great to keep doing it, but something else has to change and you, there has to be some sort of, I want, I want to see some sort of results at some point. Right. I mean, um, I don't, I don't know. I I don't know. This is a tough one for me. Yeah. I mean, I think you want to see results, but well, I think if you go about it in like an educational way and speaking, I mean, like, but this this person but did thinking that. thinking about an educational perspective of it, I mean, you could, I, I wonder, and I don't know if these exist or not, but if you could take some sort of, and have the company take sort of like a firm-wide educational conference or workshop on it, sort mm-hmm. of like, I mean, like yeah. sexual harassment workshops are, are very popular now. Um, and so like just sort of being inclusive in the workspace as a workshop, if you knew, and if you did it in a way where it was like, everyone's going to sit in on this, regardless of, you know, yeah. who's doing what, um, it might become a thing where, you know, the boss might think, you know, twice about just laughing off the pronoun use. Um, mm-hmm. And just might, I mean, maybe having it come from some another source. Um, and if it was, a, you know, someone who was speaking with actual knowledge in the subject, then, they might see it as more of, you know, a, an informed source than just your employee saying, hey, you're using the wrong pronouns. I like, that I, I like this. I like this a lot. Um, what I I struggle with when I hear this is I think, actually, I, I'm not sure that it would, you know, depending. So I, I think immediately about like company size. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, at a small company, I could see this working or not working. And then at a big company, I could see this working or not working. Um, you know, especially, and I, for some reason I'm picturing, uh, you know, a big law firm, uh, and, uh, you know, someone who's like a paralegal, uh, try, you know, uh, and I, maybe I'm, I'm just not familiar enough with the, the, the way that things work, but I, I, I sort of feel like that would be a hard sell to get all the partners to come to a, you know, some sort of training. I mean, I, like I think you're probably uh, right. Like, like I said, my firm's small. And so yeah. it's, it's sort of easy to corral everybody. But um, if you're in a big firm, getting, you know, the senior partners who are, you know, already either overworked or just don't care anymore, sort of to, um, to care about this sort of thing, I think would be hard. Um, 
whether or not that partner is having a lot of interaction with the client. I mean, the real issue isn't whether or not they're having interaction with the client, I guess it's, you're still, even if you're not ever saying it to anyone who hears that matters, you still shouldn't be saying things, you know? Um, right. Like not having an audience doesn't really give you an excuse to make those sort of mistakes um, or purpose, yeah. not even mistakes, but just like a purposeful sort of oversights. Um, yeah. Well, well, let me ask you a different question then. Maybe the way to sort of approach it would be to think through sort of what, let, let's think about it kind of through the other perspective. So say that you are this this person that um, is just kind of finds these pronouns to be comical and, and doesn't take them seriously. Um, how could someone else get through to you? I don't know. Like what would convince you to change your behavior? I mean, I think... I always sort of think that having a personal experience with someone um, makes you sort of care about that thing more. I mean, I think they've sort of shown that yeah. in any issue, um, the more personal an issue feels, the more someone's going to care about it. So like homosexuality, people now care about more because almost everybody knows someone firsthand who's gay or queer or you know, somewhere in between. But, you know, I think people now care about that sort of issue because they have friends, they have, you know, coworkers, they have, um, you know, parents who all identify or, you know. And so I think having that sort of personal experience might make someone care. I, I don't know if, like, maybe they meet with a client. I don't know yeah. if... Um, if that would make a difference or maybe, or maybe yeah, make or a even, problem. I'm not sure. Or maybe just like a, a good to maybe they don't have to have like that direct personal experience, but like a good story, mm. you know, yeah. somebody could like, like make them care. I, I like stories. Yeah. It is partially why we do the podcast. <laughs> that is true. Um, but you know, the other part of it is like, how can you line up sort of results with the story? You know, mm. I, what I think when I hear a story, I think it's really powerful, but then I think, okay, you get one partner that has that experience and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but like, what about the rest of them? Mm -hmm. What I actually think about is I know that companies often have sort of like uh, corporate handbook, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Where this is, these are expectations. These are the behaviors that we um, condone and, and uh, support. And these are our values. This is our mission, right? I think, there's an interesting approach you could take where you could say, Hey, look, you know, um, I think that we're handling a lot more, especially in the legal case. I think we're handling a lot more of these, these cases. Like uh, we need to have some sort of policy, you know, policy or roles that we all follow when we're dealing with these types, you know, you know, people that bring these types of cases so that we can treat them with respect and so that we can really uphold the firm's values. But right now these aren't values of the firm because, uh, partners and attorneys aren't really taking them seriously. I, I, I don't. I don't know exactly how you would go about that at a law firm, but I think that there is maybe something you could do with like a, a corporate handbook. Yeah, oh, I think that's interesting. You basically build it into like the the way that business is done. Yeah. Well, and what I like about that is, beside the fact that <laughs> I came up with it, um, what what, <laughs> okay. I, what what I just kidding. What I like about it though is honestly the. The idea that like it's you're not accusing anyone of anything, and especially in the sense that you're not saying that like um, 
you're basically saying, okay, looking at the, looking at our past, we've never had rules that sort of govern how we should deal with these types of scenarios. Now we have them in place. This is the behavior that we should all sort of try to embody moving forward. And, you know, you're not saying, oh, I don't like when you do this. You know yeah. what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it kind of changes it makes the conversation. It personal. It makes it way more. More just like a, a firm, wide uh, goal. Yeah. 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 And, and I would like to think that if you're, uh, you know, of course, depending on company size, if you're at an ER, if you're a part of an ERG or if you're, um, I, I guess my point is, it doesn't matter who you are. I'd like to think that you could have some say in contributing to the corporate handbook. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think it's something that people that are just partners, you know, or executives should be able to do in general. Yeah, I agree. I think I yeah. should have a, some input there. Yeah. I don't know. Just a thought. Well, and I think, I mean... One of the dangers that an employer should be aware of is like, if you're the boss and you're sort of brushing this sort of issue off, I think you run the risk of opening yourself up to liability for some sort of discrimination. I'm not sure. I don't know if California's discrimination laws include um, gender identity. Uh, I know for a minute, federal protections did, but I don't think they do anymore. So, I mean, even it's just like, it's not the sort of press you want to open your firm up to. Um, if you did have an issue in the workplace where, you know, you've got the systematic disregard for gender identity, um, especially if you're an employment law firm. So I think, uh, yeah. you know, bosses should be able to get behind that sort of idea that it's like, this is good for our own workplace environment. And then it also just, you know, how we project ourselves to our clients. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And it's, it's the kind of thing that you could publicize on mm-hmm. like your website, you know, these are our values and, you know, I, I don't know, they could even turn into case studies. I mean, do whatever you need to get more business out of it, but um, you know, really make that the foundation of the way that you operate. I think there's a lot of value there. I like that. I think it's going to become more common. And so the companies that can get ahead of it and sort of address it, early on, I think are going to have a better chance. The only thing I'll add is I, I'll be curious to see how the law catches up because mm-hmm. we've had a hard enough time, even just with, with women's equality. Yeah. So or, or civil I, rights period. Right. right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. You Fair know. enough. The whole women's movement was in the seventies. Yeah. It's not that long well, ago. And it's yeah. not linear. So, right. I mean, it's not like, right. As right. we've seen, it's not a, a constantly progressive sort of thing. It's, you know, we haven't solved it. Yeah. And it's, you know, steps forward <laughs> and steps back sort of. So Mm-hmm. yeah I, i'm hopeful that like the younger generation that's like in high school and middle school now are part of the the solution mm-hmm. that they are seeing this growing up as more yeah. normal and so i'm hopeful that like they will help push the the needle that that way in a societal way and then i think it'll just take a lot of pressure from like this person who wrote the story and like the work that they're doing in uh in the law and suing people and getting cases and setting precedents mm-hmm. to start to have this actually become a like a protected thing and like yeah. and not just like the pronouns but also all that comes along with that because I think yeah you know, there's a lot to unpack here that we haven't even gone into but that's what you know I think will be the most thrash in the system is like how do we get this into law and I think yeah I agree with you and I think there's a good chance that you know the younger generation will be able to push this forward just because 
they've grown up with constant social media, mm-hmm. which of course has its downsides, totally. but I think also opens people up to a world of other people and experiences and lifestyles and you know so I think being able to grow up in a in a world where you can see or connect with people of all different backgrounds I think is I hope is going to um you know affect the change in for the positive (laughs) 